Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today I'm beginning a new series that I believe is going to strengthen our marriages, our families, and even our ability to love those around us that sometimes we have a hard time loving. We know we're supposed to love them, but sometimes it's just hard to love people. I know that a series like this, if we're not careful, it can alienate some of you in the room who are single. And I want you to always know that, that as your pastor, I'm mindful of that. And so for those of you who are looking, you're, you're looking for that spouse, you know, and you just haven't yet found that person, just hear old Pastor Rocky with the gray beard, okay? Just words of wisdom here. I want you to be cautious in dating and very careful because I know that as time progresses, you can become a little anxious with that. And so be cautious, be careful, because love is a lot like, like having gas. <laughs> if you force it, it can cause a mess, okay? So just be careful with it. That's all I'm saying. No matter where you're at with your marital status, if you will just stay tuned into this series, I don't care if you're married, single, divorced, wherever you're at, if you will stay tuned into this series, you will not only understand how God made you, but you just might grow to understand how much God loves you. And if you're looking for love, listen close, because you just might hear something in this series that will help you keep that woman or that man once you find them. You know, God longs for us to experience with each other what he longs to experience with us. And that's relationship. See, God longs for us to be in relationship with him, but God also desires for us to find relationships in our life that help bring meaning and, and, and help complete who we are in Christ Jesus. But Satan will do whatever he possibly can to ruin that experience for you. And often, our doubts in God, they come through failed relationships that we have, whether it be friendships uh, or, or marriages or dating relationships. Once Satan gets in there and, and, and he's able to ruin that experience for you, many times it will cause you to doubt God or, or, or doubt that God even cares about you. And the enemy has always attacked marriages and relationships to bring separation between husbands and wives, which leads to separation between us and God. And so this month, my prayer is that we're going to restore love back into our homes and restore love back into our marriages. Amen? What's love got to do with it? You know, that's a song that was released in 1984 by Tina Turner. And I heard some of you singing that song during our meet and greet time as the band was um, playing it in the background. Some of you are like, I didn't hear them. Oh, absolutely, they were playing it. And Tina Turner released this song in 1984, and it would actually become her only U.S. number one hit. Did you know that? That was her only number one hit. Some of you are like, I'm shocked that was a hit, but it's okay. It's ranked number 309 in Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. So it is considered one of the 500 greatest songs of all time, or at least some editor thought that. And so this song is credited with reviving Tina Turner's career. It landed her Grammy Awards for Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Female Performance of the Year, Vocal Performance of the Year. So why was this song such a big hit? Why was this song so great? It was because people could relate to it. Maybe some of you in the room, maybe you'll remember the words to this song. 
And so maybe we could sing it together? No? No? What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second handy? Come on, louder, louder. What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can Oh, just stretch your hands this way right there. I think we have a demon manifesting over here. I don't know what's happening. You know, the problem with this song, church, is that it labels love as a secondhand emotion. Not only is love not a secondhand emotion, love is not even an emotion. I'll prove it to you. Love is not an emotion. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to be reading today from Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. So just leave your Bibles open. But in order for us to really lay the foundation for this series, we've got to go back to the first love story. We've got to go back to the beginning of humanity. And so I want to read Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Leave your Bibles open and we'll read from Genesis chapter 3 in just a moment. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the woman and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. These were some good times for Adam and Eve. Some of us in the early stages of our relationships, we can relate to the early days of Adam and Eve. Good times. They were so in love with each other. There was no one and there was no thing that could come between them. And all of you newlyweds in the room, you know this feeling. But there's that day that I'll never forget. You know that day, some of you that have been married for longer than a week, <laughs> where you roll over and her eyes are kind of rolled back in her head, they're halfway open, her mouth is open, and she's making a sound like <sighs> And that's when you realize you're not on the honeymoon anymore. And if you see that on the honeymoon, you're really in trouble. It's going to be a long, long, no, I'm just kidding. It's, 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 it's part of life. It's, it's, it's being vulnerable and finding who that person really is. Now, due to the fact that there was no other woman on the planet, you have to understand there was no one else to compare Eve to. Some of the women in the room, you, you 
could say amen to that. I mean, what a great experience that had to be. I mean, that was, you know, utopia for her. There's not a more beautiful woman alive. She was the most beautiful woman on the planet. She could have been but ugly, but she was the most beautiful woman on the planet. You understand that? She's the only woman on the planet, right? There was not a skinnier woman on the planet. Okay, women, you're missing some great amen opportunities right there. Not a skinnier woman on the planet. There was not a sweeter woman on the planet. Now, she could have been as mean as the devil. But there's not a sweeter woman on the planet. Eve was the only woman that could catch Adam's eye. And after staring at animals for a few days and naming them all, Adam had different feelings surfacing when he first saw Eve. I kind of picture God saying, okay, Adam, let's see if you pass this test. Hippopotamus, gorilla, woman. Which one do you want? <laughs> a woman, you know. But this was a two-way street because when Eve saw Adam, she saw someone who she immediately felt a connection to. She was actually made from one of his ribs. And because of this, she was emotionally attached to him. Two had truly become one. There was not another man on the planet that showed her more attention. Maybe he ignored her all day long. But there's not another man on the planet that showed her more attention. There was not another man that understood her better because there was not another man. There was not another man that she desired more than Adam. And there was no doubt of their future together, and she wanted to be his forever. And Adam and Eve, if you think about it, they were living in this marital bliss that we experienced right at the beginning of marriage. They were living in that marital bliss, and they loved each other unconditionally. That is, until the enemy got involved. And see, you will love your spouse unconditionally until the enemy gets involved and starts planting seeds and thoughts into your head. And when the enemy got involved in their relationship, at that moment, Adam and Eve, they took their eyes off of God and Satan began putting a wedge between them. And I'm telling you, when Satan is successful in putting a wedge between you and your spouse, it's only a matter of time before there's a wedge between you and God. I'm not sure which one comes first exactly, but it always follows suit. When there's separation here, there's separation there. When there's separation here, there's separation there. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Now understand this, church. One chapter earlier, he describes her as bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She is part of me. And now in the next chapter, when God comes walking and they're hiding from him because of their shame, they know they've disobeyed God. Now 
instead of her being bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, now it's her fault. Adam is blaming her for the fall of humanity. Adam is saying, it's the woman that you gave me, God. And from the end of chapter 2, where they are so in love with each other, marital bliss, from the end of chapter 2, it takes exactly 325 words for them to go from love to blame. I counted them. 325 words later, love and blame. You've seen this happen in your, your own marriage. You know what it's like. You're running late for a dinner engagement and you're both in the bathroom at the same time and you're trying to get dressed. But yet you have not had any conversation all day so you're trying to be a good husband and you're trying your best to communicate with her because they have to say like one million words a day or something and you say 10. But she's got to get all of her words in. And so you're being a good husband and you, you are trying your best to engage in conversation. And so she says something about her sorry brother, which you agree with. You're like, yeah, your brother is sorry. Y'all both giggle and laugh a little bit. So then you bring up her crazy aunt. She agrees with you. Everybody laughs. Then she says something about her dad being a moron. You both giggle, laugh. You're feeling real comfortable in that moment. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you say, yeah, and your mom's a little overbearing. <laughs> and in less than 325 words, you have started war in your household. You've been there. Men, raise your hands. Testify to this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, it happened this morning getting ready for church. Or maybe you were riding down the road and, and, and you're simply trying to decide where to eat, where we're going to have dinner. This is always the argument, isn't it? I've threatened to drive to Hawthorne before. You either tell me where we're eating or I won't stop driving. We'll be in the Atlantic Ocean before it's over, woman. <laughs> tell me where we're eating because I know how this works she'll say oh I don't care let's just go anywhere it never means I don't care let's just go anywhere I don't care let's just go anywhere and you pick somewhere to go I, I don't like this place then why did you say you don't care because you do care and at that moment something rises up within you because you're a man right and you say I'm a grown man I am a grown I'll eat where I want to eat and in 325 words or less, you have just gone from love to hate. Strong word, I know, but it happens. And in 325 words in the scripture, Adam and Eve go from love to blame, love to shame. Love is tested when negative emotions are present. When anger is present, love is always tested. Whenever hurt is present, love is always tested. Whenever there are feelings of betrayal, love is always tested when emotions are present. And love cannot, love must not be defined by our emotions. It must be defined by our devotion. That woman, I'm devoted to you. I may not like you very much at times, but I'm devoted to you. Couples that have gone through counseling with me, you know I always say, I mean, I say this in every marital counseling session, whether it be premarital, mid-marital, or, or their marriage is almost over counseling. I'll tell them these words. 
The words divorce or separation must never enter your vocabulary. From this day forward, never say divorce or separation. Mandy and I have been through some rough times. We have. But you know what we've never said to each other? Divorce or separation. Because at the moment you say it, it becomes an option. And we've never wanted that to be an option in our home. Because I don't want to be controlled by my emotions. I want to be controlled by my devotion. For some of you in the room, you need to hear that today. You need to adopt that policy right now for your home. From this day forward, never say the words divorce or separation again. I don't care if your marriage is on the rocks and, and this is the, the final day right here. If God doesn't speak to you today, then you're not staying married. Listen to me. Let the words divorce and separation, let them leave your vocabulary and don't ever say them again and watch what God begins to do in your home. Jeremiah 17 and 9, the prophet says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. He says, who can understand it? You see, our emotions, they come from deep inside of us. What the prophet was saying was our heart. Love, it has to be consistent. Not a product of our emotions. Not a product of what you're feeling in here. That cannot be trusted. Love is not an emotion and therefore it should not be controlled by emotions. And God's Word, church, it tells us exactly what love is. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, and here it is, because God is love. Would you say those three words with me? God is love. Say it again. God is is love and then paul writes in first corinthians 13 what we call the love chapter he describes love but if you realize god is love you'll realize he's also describing god first and foremost he's describing god because god is love and he says this love is patient man has god not been patient with you god thank you for your patience on my life because i'm a moron sometimes but he says love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. God is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Listen to this. It keeps no record of wrongs. Some of you need to learn that lesson in your marriage. It's, it's one of the hardest lessons for us to learn because we like keeping the scoreboard. We have years and years of a scoreboard. Sometimes we get to tie it up. But every once in a while, you'll get the edge on him. And you're winning. It's 10 to 8. You're winning. And we keep a record of wrongs. And we're not supposed to do that because God doesn't do that. God is love, and love keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6 says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I want you to say those words with me. Love never fails. Say it again. Love never fails. God is love. Love never fails. Of course love never fails, because God never fails. God has never failed. And so love has never failed. And if I'm completely honest, 
I've got to tell you that there have been times in our marriage when I did not have any of my love left to give to Mandy. Some of you don't like it when I'm that honest, but I'm just being very real with you today. There have been times when I had no more of my love to give to Mandy. I lost my love for her. And if she's honest, she could tell you the same thing. There's been moments where she no longer had any of her love left to give me. And it's in those seasons where we did not like each other very much. Emotions were high. But I can tell you this. His love is the very thing that kept us together. Because when my love's depleted, his is just getting started. When my love is gone, his is in abundance. And we cannot be controlled by our emotions. This is something, church, that we have to take to heart. We have to learn this in our marriages. Because when the horizontal's not right, I can assure you the vertical is not right. And you are never better with God than you are with your spouse. You are never better with God than you are with your spouse. And so if this isn't right, I can assure you this is not right either. But pastor... You don't understand. He cannot stand me. Pastor, you don't get it. She told me. The words came out of her mouth. She hates me. Here's what I love about a series like this. Because the truth of this is, when love and hate collide, love always wins. Because God is love and love always wins. Because God always wins. About six or seven years into our marriage, Mandy and I, we were struggling. Neither one of us, by the grace of God, had committed moral failure. And, and I really tell you that very honestly. It's only by the grace of God because we, we didn't love each other very much during that time. We didn't like each other at all. And the arguments were always the same. And, and understand this, I was in ministry. I was a full-time youth pastor in ministry at a thriving church. We knew how to put the, the face on in front of everybody. We, we wore a facade in front of people. But at home, when I, would, when I would come home, all Mandy wanted to do was argue about the times that I was not there. And she was right. I was, I was not there. I would come home to eat dinner and sleep, and that was it. And usually eat dinner after her and the kids had, had already had dinner. And so intentionally, I, I would stay at the office. I wasn't doing anything sinful except neglecting my family, and that's sinful enough. And I would intentionally stay at the office so that I would not have to go home. We lived about 20, 25 miles from the church, and so I, I would, would stay late working on projects. I was very productive as, as a youth pastor. Great things were happening, but my home was falling apart. And when I would come home, Mandy would just want to talk about you know, our lives are, are crumbling. Our marriage is crumbling. What, you know, and she would cry. And I remember, I, it's so vivid in my mind. I remember this one time she was on her knees in the middle of our bed, just sitting up in the middle of our bed, just crying. And I'm wanting so bad to get out of that room. And, and I walked towards the door three or four times. I think I slammed the closet door and everything else. I just wanted out of that room. And we were in this, this horrible catch-22 she wants to talk about why I'm never there. When I am there, she wants to talk about why I'm never there. I never want to go home because that's all she wants to talk about. It's all she wants to argue about. And there's this, 
this, this one evening when God challenged Mandy. Listen, men, we are to be the spiritual leaders in our households. But if you're going to forfeit that right, don't be shocked if God doesn't use your wife. And that's the problem with some of our homes. We're letting her wear the spiritual pants when we need to be men enough, brave enough, and vulnerable enough sometimes just to be the men of our households. The anointing flows from the top down. It starts with the head. And God's called you to be the head of your home, men. And God challenged my wife to show me love even if I didn't show her love. And I remember coming home and she didn't start an argument. I remember coming home and two days turned into three and suddenly we had a week where we did not argue. And what God started doing inside of me is he started tearing down those walls. And suddenly we find ourselves sitting at a dinner table talking planning, dreaming. And it never would have happened had Mandy not heard the voice of God and said, telling her, show him love even when he doesn't show you love. That's God. That's God because God is love. Love never fails. God never fails. Mandy learned to love me, not through her own love, but through God's love through her. Because when she started that, she couldn't stand me. And in the process, those walls came down inside of me, and I began loving her with God's love. And if you're ever going to survive marriage, and I hate using those words, because marriage is so much better than just survival, but at times, it's just surviving. And until you find the love of God, you're just going to be going through the motions of it until the enemy finally separates you so far apart and in turn it's separating you from God and God's will for your life. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Because it has to have God in it. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Because God's got to be in every aspect of that. And I believe God wants to do some amazing things in your home because he did some amazing things in my home. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.